0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Home and home.
2: Hub day! Home and home. The Jags have one foot out the door. In this case, two home games out the door to London. And the Boston Red Sox, one of the wealthiest teams in professional sports today... Unloaded the second best player in baseball because they can't afford them. And the state of our union is fucked. I'll tell you why on a hump day, home and home. It's a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out at ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania, diving into home markets throughout this program. As usual, we'll go to Boston and listen to the angry fans, WEEI Sports Radio in Boston. A couple of great guests on the show today. Sam Monson, pro football focus, will break down the Super Bowl. And should the 49ers really trade Jimmy Garoppolo, who is about a quarter of a way from being the Super Bowl MVP? Chaps from Barstool Sports on the Jaguars' Jexit? Is it a Jexit? If the Brexit was the UK leaving the EU, is this the Jexit that is underway? And Randy Cardoon from Los Angeles on the acquisition of Mookie Betts and maybe Tom Brady, the two most high profile athletes in all of New England. How would that feel? To our friends in Boston. It would be interesting. A lot to get to our poll question this morning and we will discuss it for the next several hours. So the Jags one foot out the door. The Red Sox shipped out the second best player in baseball. Which fan base do you feel worse for on this hump day? Let us know at RDC home and home. But we start the way we're going to start some shows periodically. And the non-football season, and that is with answering Reddit questions. There are fascinating questions each and every day on Reddit, and we're going to try to answer those each and every day to kick us off here on Home and Home. Ross Tucker, the question is to you, sir. You have one hour to eat 5,000 calories. What food do you choose? And yes, I'm going to be kind here. I'm going to allow you a drink. I don't want to see you eat just a food with no beverage. That's not cool. So what food and drink to wash it down if you had an hour to consume 5k.
3: So okay, so here's a couple things. First of all, I love the Jexit, man. That's awesome. Jexit Jegs- with the Jags Exit. I've got a lot to say about that. Uh wow. I mean just wow on a lot of different levels. Um in terms of the question you ask, look, there's a bunch of foods I could eat 5,000 calories of in one hour. So is it like what I could eat 5,000 calories of the fastest, what I would enjoy the most to have 5,000 calories of in an hour? Because this is like, this ain't no thing. Like I can do that. No problem. And now that I'm allowed to have drinks too, forget it, dude, you know what? 5,000 calories in an hour. That's called Friday and Saturday night. Okay, with a couple of double IPAs, some pepperoni pizza, uh, maybe some Italian lover's pizza, stuff like that. Yeah, that ain't no thing, Dave Briggs. So, uh, what else you got? Or at least, what, what, what's the goal here we're trying to accomplish?
2: I want the most enjoyable hour for you. The one food and the drink. I don't want the drink to be top of mind here. I want it just to help you know, wash down your favorite food and most caloric food from the guy who ate fucking salad on Super Bowl Sunday.
3: Two F-bombs within the first five minutes of today's home and home. One about why we're all doomed and one about my salad. Those are two very different things to be dropping F-bombs from. Mom, I hi, mom, I love you. I didn't Sorry, say i had one of those... His name is at Dave Briggs TV on Twitter. Um, I usually <sighs> Sorry, wait till mom. at least 9 a.m. for my F-bombs. And I kind of save my F-bombs a little bit more than that. Um, so here's my options. And I've been doing some research as to which one has the most calories. But the options in my mind are chocolate-covered pretzels. I could crush chocolate-covered pretzels. There's a lot of calories there, and it'd be—it wouldn't even be like I'm stuffing my face. I would just kind of be eating them like like chips, like Doritos. Like it would be free-flowing on the chocolate-covered pretzels. Um, that was mm-hmm. one idea I had. Ice cream. I could eat whatever the richest, most high caloric ice cream is out there let's say it's moose tracks or something like that I could do that I could do a whole couple of cartons in an hour and just sit there um, those are probably pick my picks pick a lane I don't I don't
2: chocolate covered pretzels 5,000 calories you got an hour to live and you're going to consume chocolate covered pretzels that can't yeah. be
3: right they're amazing really you don't like chocolate-covered pretzels?
2: I could eat about five of them, and then I'm just good. That, that, that's enough for me on chocolate-covered pretzels. Like, I've never, like a bag of chips, I could easily put down an entire bag of Doritos. But as for chocolate-covered pretzels, I'm good after about a half a dozen of those. So, no, I, I couldn't even yeah. consume 5,000 calories of chocolate-covered pretzels.
3: Yeah, so I've never only had five. Like for you to say you're good after five, I've never been o- I've never been able to only have five. I, w- I can eat them like popcorn, okay, at a movie theater or like Doritos and just crush them. So I would say chocolate-covered pretzels. I'm a little bit worried about getting a brain freeze on the ice cream part of it. Um, although I need to do more research into what really has a lot of calories and what doesn't. I think chocolate-covered pretzels have a lot of calories.
2: I think you'd have a very tough time, actually, in consuming 5,000 calories worth of chocolate-covered pretzels, but I'm sure the millennials are on it. Jason, by the way, says, an entire box of Thin Mint Girl Scout cookies. Thin Mints are awesome, but they are not the best Girl Scout cookie. And I don't know what we're supposed to call them anymore. I I think politically correct, people aren't calling Samoas Samoas anymore. Maybe they're Caramel Delights or some shit. But Caramel Delights Samoas are the best Girl Scout cookie. This on, is on for second, another, Reddit, second, another Reddit conversation. Yeah. Okay. Hold on a second. You're not allowed yeah. to call them Samoas anymore? But but I just did. Well, they they changed it at one year to Caramel Delights. I don't know if they've changed it back. Yeah, and it was some sort of PC thing. Uh, I, I got to look that up. I'm not sure they've Who gone is it back offensive on that.
3: To, it's offensive to, to people from Samoa? People from Samoa.
2: Yeah. Now let me look it up. Maybe they've gone back on it and maybe they've changed their mind. Yeah, it it is amazing. Right. Uh, Let's see if they're still called that. Um, I I just ordered about 10 boxes from the girl next door. So I should know, but I just checked them off because of what they look like.
3: Uh, Caramel Delights is the new name. Caramel Delights. God,
2: give me a damn break! They're not going back to Samoa. Anyway, that's hey, my favorite. Hey, hey, hey! Girl Scout hey I'm
3: just saying right now, <laughs> I'm just saying this is the important shit that we do that other shows don't do. We need to get someone on of Samoan descent that's offended by Samoa's Girl Scout cookies and understand. And I'm not saying that to make fun or light like. I, I really need to try to understand this. Like, what what is it about yeah. those cookies that offends? I I would be, like, those are the things to me that would be a worthwhile 10 minutes to try to get into the psyche of someone that's offended because of the name of a cookie. That, I mean, that that would be some, like, big time shit right there. We should do that.
2: A lot of current and former NFL players of Samoan descent. So yeah. you probably have some in your cell phone, pal. So we should
3: book someone
2: from Guess the what? Ross Guess Tucker what? Cell Guess what? Guess
3: what though, Dave? Though those, those yeah. guys wouldn't be offended. Those guys wouldn't be offended. They're not you, you don't I highly you know doubt they're the ones offended. Highly doubt it.
2: All right. Well, we'll have to find out. We should dial that up. I like that conversation. Let's have it. I love some Samoas. I'm not calling them caramel delights. Put them in the freezer, too. They are outstanding. That is a delicious, delicious cookie. For me, I've evolved on this one hour to consume 5,000 calories question. I started with, boom, the first thing in my head when I have a caloric craving is a Krispy Kreme donut. Wow, that was a lot of alliteration. Caloric craving Krispy Kreme. I love nothing more on this planet than a freshly baked, rolling off the the grill as it were, Krispy Kreme glazed donut. They are unbelievable. That was my first guess with some milk, but then I realized they're only 160 calories per donut, which kind of lets me down. So I don't think I could do 5,000 calories at that rate. So I thought about my sad, pathetic ass last night, Tuesday night, eating Super Bowl Sunday leftovers for the third night. Buffalo chicken dip is absolutely what I would consume if I needed to kill 5,000 calories, wanted to in one hour. I don't know how many calories are in it. I saw my wife make it. It had butter, it had cheddar cheese, it had buffalo sauce, it had ranch, it had blue cheese, and oh, by the way, I'm dipping tortilla chips into said buffalo chicken dip. So without a doubt, I probably well exceeded 5,000 calories during Super Bowl Sunday in, in 30 or 40 minutes with the Buffalo chicken dip. And then, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to go to the beer because I don't think Bloody Mary pairs well with that. So I'm going to go to a nice beer, probably a fat tire from the folks at New Belgium and Colorado. That's a nice pairing. 5,000 calories would be easy for me on that. Have you had the Buffalo chicken dip? I, I'm not sure you can truly appreciate the greatness of the finest Super Bowl Sunday dish.
3: You know what I have? And in fact, my wife recently made Buffalo chicken dip, which doesn't happen very often, but she made it for something. I think my brother-in-law came over for the Cotton Bowl for Penn State against Memphis. My brother-in-law came over. My wife made it. That stuff is good, man. That stuff is really good. I don't know what all she puts in it. Um, I love, like, how did it take this long to get scoop chips? You know what I mean? Where you can get a lot of the buffalo chicken in that scoop and then eat it? Because I don't need that much of the chip. I really just need a conduit for the buffalo chicken to my mouth. And the chip serves the proper roll. It's the perfect. Like, one little one little uh, chip Mmm, so good. Scoops. Oh,
2: delightful. Love the scoops. Crushed them last night myself. All right, to some sports we go. And by the way, Come on. You only get five minutes of commercials per hour. You get golden conversation like this. Follow us at RDC Home and Home. Give us a review. Subscribe on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. Now to the sports conversation and the question of the day here on Home and Home, which is with the Jags one foot out the door and what I'm calling Jexit, and the Red Sox having shipped out the second best player in baseball, Mookie Betts, And if it weren't for Mike Trout, a a once-in-a-generation type player, I don't think it'd be close that Mookie Betts would be the best player in baseball. Which fan base do you feel worse for? Right now, the early leader in the clubhouse is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why? Because they are playing two games in London next season, back-to-back week. So that means... Instead of eight home games, they now have six. This is a team that is 11 and 21 in the last two years that has retained the mediocrity leadership of the team that watched Jalen Ramsey walk out the door. Hey, they do have the cool mustache guy. They do have that at quarterback I feel terrible for the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base, but then again, I'm not entirely convinced Jacksonville deserves an NFL football team. Ross, what's your take on the Jags two, the Jags it two home games in London back-to-back weeks.
3: Are they gone? Well, and it's interesting, Dave, because we're getting crucified for this poll question right now. And Uh it's almost like people don't actually read the poll question. The Jags have one foot out the door. Red Sox shipped out the second best player in baseball. Which fan base do you feel worse for? Jacksonville is at 78%. Boston's at 22%. And Kyle Bond says, this is a serious question. Which franchise do I feel bad for? Hmm. The one with four world titles since 2004 or the one that is and 38-90 under current ownership? (laughs) Goodness. I got news for you, Kyle. That's not what we're talking about. We're we're talking about based on the events of yesterday and yesterday only. Which do you feel worse for? And I would say, Dave, it's a close one. Uh, I'm going to go Jacksonville because... If you are a serious Jaguars fan, or any NFL team, Dave, you live for those eight home games. Those eight home games, those are holidays. They certainly are in most cities around the country. Those are the days that you live for. And the Jaguars are outsourcing 25% of your greatest days of the year. That's bad, man. That's bad. Even if you believe them that they're only doing it because it's increased revenue to try to help them get a new stadium in Jacksonville, blah, blah, blah. Even if you believe that, which I would submit to you, it's becoming harder and harder to believe that in my mind. And I don't think what Stan Kroenke did in St. Louis or what these other owners have done I don't think that helps the cause, if you will. The Spanos family in San Diego doesn't exactly help me feel secure that my Jags are going to stay here in Jacksonville. So you combine taking away 25% of my eight greatest days of the year, and now I wonder how long you're really even going to be here. That is worse than the Red Sox trading away their best player because at least there's still 81 Red Sox home games this year.
2: Now, I do understand the initial reaction of some people when they say, how can you feel bad for a fan base, Boston here, that has those four world titles and so forth, six Super Bowl rings. We'll dive more into that Red Sox situation in a moment, but just to reiterate what Ross is talking about, fans are having things ripped out from their grip That is painful. Now, if you are Jacksonville, ladies, gentlemen, listen, all right? If you've been living with a significant other five, ten years, you haven't gotten married, but you're very much in love. You're very happy to be living together, very comfortable. Obviously, you have a a dresser drawer there. You have a, a toothbrush and toothpaste and all that stuff there. If all of a sudden that toothbrush disappears one morning and then it's that drawer starts getting cleaned out, the end is near, man. It may take a while, but the end is near. And that's how you feel right now if you're a Jacksonville fan. Like, whoa, the toothbrush is gone. This relationship is going to end at some point. So let's listen to Jags owner Shad Khan talking about the concept of the Jags leaving for London, is he committing to
1: stay in Jacksonville? Listen. My opinion is uh, that, you know, we play two back-to-back games in London.
2: What do you tell Jaguars fans that think the team is then moving?
1: Okay, uh, you gotta remember eight years ago, uh, you know, when I was introduced in Jacksonville, the rumors were the team had been moving for years before mm-hmm. that, okay. I've always said this, and I think our actions really have proven, uh, that's the most important thing, you know, judge actions, not words, uh, is we want to invest in the area, we want to keep the Jaguars in the area, but we want them to be vital, competitive, and uh, you know, a force in the area to help the growth, uh, economy, the vitality, and bring energy. Jags owner Shad Khan
2: on the Jags website. I don't know how convinced you are that the Jags are staying based on those comments from the team owner. I am not at all. Now, what he's talking about in development, the Jags are considering a multiple hundreds of millions of dollars of partnership development surrounding their stadium. It's going to have condos. It's going to have shopping. It's going to have office space and entertainment. So if they do that, it has not been agreed to yet. If they do that, I would feel a lot better as a Jags fan. This team is going to have to stay. They're not going to pour in hundreds of millions of dollars in a partnership and then leave. But I don't think Shad Khan convinced anyone. And my question to you, Ross, is a team that's 11-21 and 21 in the last two years, it's not a true road game playing in London, but at best it's a neutral site in which they've had a losing record in the last couple of years. How are you going to get more competitive losing two home games? Doesn't this put you at a significant
3: disadvantage competitively? Well, Dave, let's start with Shad Khan's comments that you just referenced, that was far from a denial. That was far from a, we're not going anywhere. We are staying here in Jacksonville. That was a, we want to try to be viable. We want to be able to be a force here. Um, That would not make me feel any better if I were a Jaguars fan. As for the London home field advantage, there is none although we need to look up what their record's been in London because I feel like they've been just as good in London as they have been in a home in Florida. So you would obviously think it's not an advantage as opposed to playing at home, but if the record's the same, and I would say this, I give them the edge on that second game in a row because they're just staying in London for a week as opposed to the team that flies over. To play them that second game, I think that probably does give them an edge, Dave.
2: Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. Uh, dealing with the the travel and all that, but a home. Now, look, the Jags have been everywhere, ev- bad everywhere the last couple of years. So to say that they're worse off in London or better off, I, I think right now doesn't matter a whole lot whether it's Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles. But they are three and four in the UK in the last couple of years and having lost. Two in a row. So three and four. Now, maybe that's about the mark that they are overall. That's actually a little bit better in terms of winning percentage because, as I mentioned, they are 11 and 21 in the last two years. But this feels like the end is near. I- I'm just curious what this means ultimately for the organization and, and, and this particular year. You have got the most significant drop in attendance in the NFL last season. 8.7% they dropped down to 27th in attendance. Is it going to get even worse next season? Short of Gardner Minshew starting over Foles and leading this team uh, to the playoffs. I think that steep decline will get even steeper. A lot to discuss on this, including could you get this Jacksonville team? Could you convince these players to go from the state of Florida where there's no state income tax To London, where there's a 45 percent income tax and everything in their life becomes more expensive. There's just a lot of logistical issues with playing in London. And I don't know how you'd convince a roster to move to London without giving them a 20, 30, 40% raise. And that's something the NFL is going to have to figure out. And I don't know how they're going to do it. Eventually a team's going to London. It doesn't look like it's going to be an expansion club. So 32 is a nice number. They like the balance of that. And the only team that looks realistic right now, or the Jags. The other part of our poll question, of course, is the Boston Red Sox. No, it's impossible for most fans across the country to feel bad for the sports fans in Boston. Four World Series titles since 2004, six Super Bowl rings under Brady and Belichick, an NBA title, the 17th for the Celtics wasn't so long ago. And heck, even the uh, Boston Bruins won a title uh, in the last decade. So, But you got to think of it this way, right? If, if you've been living in a great house, wonderful lifestyle, you've, you've had nice cars and nice clothes and you've just gotten used to it. You've been very successful. Uh, Your kids are used to doing whatever activity they want to do. You're used to going out to dinner when you want to do it. And then suddenly that lifestyle looks like it's just gone. Pulled out from under you is that rug gone. What happened to our luxurious lifestyle? We can't afford it any longer? That's hard to sell to the Boston Red Sox fan base. Owner John Henry is worth $2.7 billion. This is among the richest franchises in all of professional sports in America, and they have shipped out Mookie Betts, the second best player in all of baseball baseball, simply because they don't want to pay him the 400 million dollars over 10 years (laughs) that he might get from the Dodgers. That's a lot of money. But if there's a team that can afford it, it's the Boston Red Sox. And if you're not going to pay for the best talent in baseball, what are you going to pay for? I, as a Red Sox fan, would feel devastated. I would feel like Jacksonville fans, like the end is near, have we seated the AL East for the next 10 years to the New York Yankees. That's reality. That's how I'd be feeling as a Red Sox fan when I broke this news to my uh, 12-year-old son who is a lifelong Red Sox fan being born in Boston. He simply said this, Ross. Baseball sucks. I hate baseball now. I hate the Dodgers. I was brokenhearted for him because, yeah, he's had that nice lifestyle being a Red Sox fan and seeing World Series every couple of years. It sucked to see not just Mookie shipped out, but shipped out to the Dodgers, of all people who have a roster full of all-stars. Now, a big part of this is David Price. The Dodgers are picking up almost $50 million. I mean, the Red Sox, excuse me, are picking up almost $50 million to send him to Los Angeles. They wanted to do anything to get rid of David Price, and they did it. But how you feel this morning, Ross, as a Sox fan?
3: Awful. Awful. I, I'm feeling like we no longer are going to be able to compete to win World Series titles, and a guy that should have been on our team for the next 10 years is now gone. And if you think about it, people in Boston, as you said, Dave, they've been used to being the haves. And so it's got to be tough to be a have. Not. I don't understand the economics, Dave. I I really don't. don't. I don't understand. The Red Sox are so popular when I was up there. Probably the only team I played for where it felt like the baseball team was more popular than the NFL team. And the Patriots have won three Super Bowls in the previous four years. People were still that into the Red Sox. When I was up there, I don't understand. Like what, what have they explained in terms of the economics? Cause I sure don't get it.
2: They haven't really explained the economics to anyone. And I feel like the only thing cushioning the blow for Sox fans this morning is they have expected this for some time. They have heard about it for the better part of a year, um, but they haven't really explained and come out and had a press conference and spoken to the true fans about Here's why we made this move. Here's how it makes us better for the long haul. I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Here is a team worth worth 6.6 billion dollars. One of the most valuable franchises and professional sports today in the entire world. It's impossible to convince your fan base that you can't afford the second best player in baseball. It's hard for anyone to feel bad for Boston sports fans. I think you have to this morning. Let's hear from a few of those fans, Sports Radio WEEI in Boston, about losing their best player and their best hope at a future world title.
4: You traded one of the greatest homegrown talents the Red Sox have ever seen. Best since Ted. Better player than Fred Lynn. Better player than Jim Rice. Better than Nomar. Better than Dwight Evans. You go through some of the greats of all time. He made five and a half seasons, and they jettisoned him for financial reasons. It is tough to stomach this morning. How, how, what happened? How how could you not keep one of the great talents in Boston sports history? But the owners of the Red Sox are greedy, arrogant, selfish, narcissist d bags. We're paying two hundred and fifty a seat, seventeen a beer, seventy five to park. I say this to Red Sox Nation: boycott them. We got a few extra dollars i feel bad that the red sox really are kind of falling into financial disarray yes. do they need me to maybe should we support the team by buying some tile for the rebuild maybe some grout some mm-hmm. wood i mean what can we do to rebuild this team do they need financial support my question is how are the dodgers going to feel about getting two players that potentially were part of a cheating crew that beat them in a world series well, how is that feeling getting yeah. those guys into your team yeah. Do you believe his 2018 numbers were built on cheating? I mean, he had a great year. I'm sure some of it came in the clutch with guys on second base. And so maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the Red Sox know more than, than we do about his offensive ability. They shouldn't pay him. Of course he not. is not worth Mike Trout money. Mookie Betts is an awesome player. He's one of the best players in baseball. He is not Mike Trout. Mike Trout is uh, Mickey Mantle. Right. Mookie Betts is a very, very, very good player.
5: Uh, MVP like candidate, too, all he, of that doesn't he ain't worth like, 400000000 million doesn't seem
4: like he even wanted to be in Boston uh, there's a lot of people who are gonna, I think turn their back on this franchise because they're spending a lot of money to go there and the team is not returning that by spending it on uh, uh, like one of the very best homegrown players they have ever had
2: Ladies and gentlemen, if the Iowa caucuses were a baseball team, they would be your 2020 Boston Red Sox. All right. Sports Radio WEEI in Boston. Good fun, not true. Jacksonville definitely is the Iowa caucus of professional sports teams this morning. Kudos to the caller that called the owners Greedy arrogant, narcissistic D-bags, boycott them. I think this will be an interesting season for Red Sox Nation. Does that attendance drop off? We've never seen it. Maybe that happens quick break here on a hump day home and home. When we come back, Sam Monson pro football focus joins us. Is Tom Brady going to join Mookie Betts out there on the left coast? And should the Niners trade Jimmy Garoppolo? Sam Monson pro football focus after a quick break.
3: Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee. For his organic coffee company then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference you can do by signing up for free at ziprecruiter.com slash enter ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you it finds them for you and its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster in fact After posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address ziprecruiter.com slash enter that ziprecruiter.com slash e-n-t-e-r ziprecruiter the smartest way to hire call from mom answer it call
0: silenced
4: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
0: other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star Shopify powers, 10% of all e-commerce in the U S and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, birds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries plus Shopify's award-winning 24 seven help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify sign up for a $1 per month trial period. at. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
2: Remember, there's no money to pay college athletes. With that in mind, Michigan State football coach Mark D'Antonio retires 20 days after a four plus million dollar bonus. How you feeling? In East Lansing, Michigan, speaking of sports fans who must be pissed this morning, our poll question of the day on a hump day home and home, which sports fans do you feel worse for the Jacksonville Jags, whose franchise has one foot and two home games out the door to London to the Boston Red Sox, who just shipped out the second best player in baseball because they can't afford him. It is a State of the Union Wednesday here on Home & Home, radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out at ziprecruiter.com slash enter. It's always NFL season. It's always football season here on Home and Home. So let's bring in our good friend Sam Monson, pro football focus. Sam, good to have you on the program, Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Um, You heard our poll question there, sir, at RDC Home and Home. Who do you feel worse for this morning? Is it the Jags fan base who looks like their girlfriend just took the toothbrush out and eventually she is leaving them? Or the Red Sox who suddenly feel like they're the have-nots now after being are ironically, uh, the model franchise for the last decade. Who are you feeling worse for?
5: Well, I couldn't care less about baseball, so by default, it's the Jacksonville <laughs> fans that I feel most sorry for.
3: <laughs> All right, answer. so Sam, yeah, Sam, I, I like it. Um, I want to get into the Super Bowl, but I want to give you a broad-based question. Tell me something interesting, something that stood out to you about the Super Bowl in general, or maybe a small detail that you're not seeing other people discuss elsewhere? The game itself, um, you know,
5: I I think it went pretty much as as we expected it to, which is the 49ers defense did a really good job bottling up that Kansas City offense, Um, but ultimately Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid is a play caller and designer. Those guys are too good, and you can keep them – Tied down for most of the game, but you can't do it for 60 minutes. And eventually, that talent, that ability, the 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 big play skill that they have was just too much. And they they got a couple of um, big plays towards the end. I guess in terms of like under uh, underappreciated, underrated, underheralded performances, you know, Mitchell Schwartz a right tackle for the, the Chiefs has legitimately had one of the best postseasons. By any player at any position in NFL history, the guy has pass blocked for like 140 snaps across three games, almost all of which the Chiefs were in obvious passing situations, coming from behind, no huddle, hurry up offense against legitimate pass rushers, and the guy allowed one hurry in all that time. It's, It's crazy.
2: You mentioned Andy Reid's play calling down the stretch. Does Andy Reid deserve more credit for this game, or does Kyle Shanahan deserve more blame for his play calling, 20 passes, 10 runs in the second half, blowing a 10-point fourth-quarter lead?
5: Yeah, I I think Kyle Shanahan does deserve some criticism, but it's not for the second half, in my opinion. I think his criticism should be the first-half stuff, The, the fact that he didn't call a timeout and go for points at the end of the first half I don't have a big problem with the idea that they were still passing the ball late in the game. And if you look at the passes in particular, they dialed up things that were open. You know, they had George Kittle isolated on Terrell Suggs in the open in, in open space. He was wide open, and Chris Jones gets his hand up, bats it down. You, you basically can't legislate for that. Sometimes it happens, but most of the time it doesn't. Um, you know, you think of the deep shot to Emmanuel Sanders. A, the deep shot was there, but even if he didn't like that, the underneath uh, crossing pattern to, to George Kittle was wide open as well. So multiple routes on the same play were wide open on, on that pass attempt as well. I think ultimately they just didn't execute the plays that were there. And I don't have a big problem with the coach playing the numbers and saying, look, in the balance of probabilities, this is the way to win the game. He's just suffered you know, a bad beat in this game and a bad beat on the 28-3 New England defeat as well. But I think in both situations, He was doing the right thing Um, for Andy Reid. Yeah, I think he's getting the credit he deserves. He's finally being validated in the eyes of many as, you know, this phenomenal head coach that he's been for a couple of decades at this point.
3: Sam, uh, let's get to the specifics as it relates to the Niners offense and Jimmy Garoppolo. It felt like watching the TV copy that Garoppolo actually played pretty well the first 50 minutes. And then as some of the points you mentioned out, some of the plays did not play well at the end. Is that what the tape showed?
5: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Garoppolo wasn't playing badly early in the game. And then just late, they needed him to make a couple of plays and he missed. He didn't hit the ones that he needed to make late in the game. And that's kind of what we said needed to happen for the 49ers to win because, this Chiefs offense is too good, Patrick Mahomes is too talented, they're too explosive, they are going to score points on you, even against a good defense like the 49ers, at some point you're going to need to be able to match them with your offense, and you know, if you're not able to come up big in those situations, you're not going to win the game, and and that's what happened. Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not like he was terrible. He wasn't a disaster. Um, Obviously the, the interception was a terrible play, but he didn't play that badly up until they needed him to get it done, and he wasn't able to.
2: Jimmy Garoppolo, 18-21, first three quarters, did miss Debo early on in the flat, missed George Kittle late in this game, which was crucial, and did miss Emmanuel Sanders, who had a couple of steps on a deep ball. A couple of plays really could have changed his fortunes. But here we go with the discussion. On ESPN, several programs discussing if the Niners should trade Jimmy Garoppolo who was a quarter away from being a Super Bowl MVP and Stephen Ruiz writing on USA today why the Niners should consider trading Jimmy for a couple of guys either Cam Newton we haven't seen healthy in some time coming off of surgery or the name you're hearing so much about Sam Tom Brady could they get rid of Jimmy and There's only $4 million in dead cap number there if they get rid of Jimmy right now and acquire Tom Brady. Sam, who would you rather have right now for the next two years, a 43-year-old Tom Brady or a 28-year-old Jimmy Garoppolo?
5: Probably Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, honestly, they're in a similar space in terms of overall what they can do, but Brady's only heading in one direction, and it's not upwards. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo at least should I mean, he's still a young quarterback in terms of playing time and experience, and a lot of what he's done is very good. So there's no reason he can't get better, and I think he will need to get better because the the situation in that 49ers team is unlikely to be as good next year as it was this year. A lot of things aligned for them this year in terms of the defense, in terms of the run game. Everything sort of came together, even acquiring guys like Emmanuel Sanders. It's just unlikely to be as strong a team next year as it was this year. So he's going to have to be better. Um, but critically, that means that Tom Brady is not going to be stepping in to a situation as good as it was this season. You know, Tom Brady now needs some help around him to be the kind of player that he needs to be. But you would be trading for him on the basis of what he's done in the past and what you hope he can still get back towards being. But that's a big risk. I think the 49ers would have no trouble whatsoever in getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo if they wanted to because... As you say, just $4 million dead cap it. If they do get rid of him, he's on a very team-friendly deal. Now that they've paid off all the kind of guaranteed money, a lot of teams would want him and would happily trade for him. For the 49ers, the big question is, what are you going to replace him with? And if your two options are Cam Newton and Tom Brady, it just doesn't seem worth uh, getting rid of until you have a
3: better option. Sam, I, you know, there's been a lot of talk. About Brady and the Raiders, Brady and the Chargers. My question is, who would be a better quarterback for those teams in 2020? Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers? Or Tom Brady or Derek Carr, based on what we saw in 2019?
5: I think Brady and Rivers have a lot of the same issues. You know, they're both uh, declining. They're both aging quarterbacks. They both need some help. And the Chargers, their problem is they have never been able to put a good offensive line in front of Phillip Rivers. He's been dealing with bad pass protection for basically the entirety of his NFL career, and he's no longer able to to cope with it. He needs a little bit of protection, and I just don't see them ever putting it in front of him. Brady's got the same issue. He has had some good offensive lines in New England, but he's now reached the point where he needs it more than he ever has before, and if the Chargers aren't going to supply it for him, I just think it's a bad spot for either of those two guys. Derek Carr, I think you could make a very good argument that Tom Brady makes a better job of the Oakland offense than Derek Carr would next season, given all things being equal. The team that I think isn't being talked about enough for those, those two quarterbacks, Rivers and Brady, in terms of free agency, is Chicago. You know, They have all the pieces in place. They've got an offensive line that's pretty good. They've got a lot of receiving weapons that they've surrounded Mitchell Trubisky with. And they've got Trubisky, who is, is clearly not the answer. They're kind of stuck with him for at least another year just because they invested so much in him. There aren't really other options for them in terms of the draft because you know they, they went so hard after Trubisky. But bringing in a guy like Brady could potentially give them the quarterback that can take advantage of all those pieces and actually win.
2: Interesting. I hadn't really thought much about Brady to Chicago and you don't hear much about Brady going to Chicago talking to Sam Monson, pro football focus. Got to check them out. PFF.com, the best college and pro football analysis anywhere out there. Um, Where do you think Tom Brady, realistically, given all the factors, the money, the weapons is next season?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think the Las Vegas thing does make a lot of sense for all parties. Um, I, I think that's the one where when you're starting to try and you know analyze all the things that need to fall in place for, the, for him to make a move, that does make some sense. Everything, Every other team seems to have at least a major roadblock in terms of making that move happen. I think the Chargers makes a lot of sense for everybody, but... That offensive line, I think, is a problem. And if he's you know, analyzing the situation he's going to be going into, if I were Tom Brady, I would not want to be going to a team that has that kind of history of uh, putting together an offensive line that's going to be protecting me. I think it's either a team like the Raiders or he you know, goes back to New England. I think they're going to realize pretty quickly that they do not have a decent succession plan yet, and they kind of need to keep him around.
3: Sam, we touched on it a little bit, but I want to talk about the Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes. It felt like he was the exact opposite of Jimmy G. It felt like for the first 50 minutes, it was maybe Mahomes' worst game ever, and then he turned it on. Is that what the coaching tape showed?
5: Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I think it was a credit to the 49ers defense that definitely – had Mahomes out of sorts. It had him looking just a little bit off in that game. They were getting pressure. And, you know, it felt different to the previous two playoff games where the Chiefs got down. And when they did before, they were almost happy. They were in their element. This was their comfort zone. They could forget about, you know, playing the kind of offense that everybody else plays and just go to their no-hurry, hurry-up offense where they just put up points at will through the air. But the 49ers' defense is a different animal to those other teams they were able to get pressure on mahomes consistently and they were getting pressure those guys were hunting in packs so mahomes wasn't just thinking about one guy coming if he got rid of the first guy two more were coming at him as well so he was under real duress and you know it, it started to affect him so even when he was working from a clean pocket he was missing throws his accuracy was off in a way we don't usually see from him you think of you know leaving the ball behind tyree kill who was the underthrow to Tyreek Hill, the play before the the third and 15 play that changed everything. He was just missing throws that he doesn't normally make. But the guy is so talented that, you know, third and 15 comes up. This is basically the game on the line. He takes an absurd deep drop and, and makes a play happen knowing that it was do or die.
2: Sam Monson, pro football focus with his QB questions around the league. None bigger, with the exception of Brady, than Dak Prescott down in Dallas. Given the play we saw last season, career high in yardage by more than 1,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, also comfortably a career high, is the best move for Dallas, in your estimation, a franchise tag, a long-term deal, or option three?
5: Yeah, I I think you have to decide right away whether you think he is a long-term commitment. I think the franchise tag just puts the thing off for everybody. It seems like a waste of time. The worst thing you could possibly do is do what the Redskins did with Kirk Cousins, which is just buy a sequence of franchise tags while you decide if he's worth paying big money. What they essentially did is pay the guy $84 million while deciding they didn't want to commit $84 million to him over the course of a few years. That's, that's just dumb. It just doesn't work for anybody the Cowboys need to decide right now whether they've seen enough from Dak Prescott to commit a, a big-money long-term contract or if they want to blow the whole thing up and start over. Um, you know, they're, they're hurt a little bit by the fact that they commit so much money already to a running back in Zeke Elliott, and now they've got Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, Byron Jones. They've got a lot of key pieces that need paying, but, you know, you've got the evidence right now of Dak Prescott. I think his play has said that he deserves a long-term decent money contract but I think you also have to be aware that he's unlikely to ever become you know a top five NFL quarterback you're going to be paying him big money knowing that his ceiling is somewhere in that kind of five to ten range and and knowing that you have to therefore build around him
2: interesting so sign him to a long-term deal or cut the cord and move on great analysis as always Sam Monson pro football focus it's pff.com please check them out The best information out there on analysis, college, and pro football. A lot of draft talk to get into ahead, sir. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it.
5: Thanks, guys. Take it easy.
2: All right, to college football we go now, Ross. And we talk about some fan bases feeling jilted, feeling angry, feeling like they had things ripped out from under them this morning. And the Michigan State football fans have to have a tough morning trying to reconcile What the hell happened with the winningest football coach in Michigan State history? Now, he's been mediocre the last couple of years, Mark D'Antonio, and fans in East Lansing and across the region have been calling for him to get canned. But now he retires 20 days after, Ross, accepting a $4.3 million retention bonus. Whether or not I wanted him to go or wanted him to stay, I am pissed if I am a Michigan state faithful, but maybe you have no one else to blame other than the university for putting in such a stupid
3: clause. Well, let's start with that, right? What would you do, Dave? Let's say you knew you were done. Let's say you didn't want to coach anymore, but you also knew that on January 20th or whatever, you had that $4.3 million bonus. What would you do? Be honest. Well, here's the thing, I thought about this yesterday and I thought,
2: in my experience, what would I do? Now, if I was working for CNN or Fox News or NBC Sports, or let's say I was in an ordinary average show working for Amazon or AT&T, multi-billion dollar corporations, I would absolutely hang around, get that $4.3 million retention bonus and say farewell even though it was the day before National Signing Day, screw those big companies. That's not the case. This is a state-run educational institution in which I am concerned about my legacy. I wanna be embraced by this university and the fan base for the next decade or two to come. I want my kids and my grandkids to go here. I want a, a statue outside of the football field. So with that in mind, I don't do this. I come to some sort of agreement with the university in which they clearly could have done, in which I don't screw them out of the money, screw them in recruiting, but retain my legacy and walk away a very rich man. So I take this very different directions if I'm working for Amazon or if I'm working for Michigan State. What would you do? Uh,
3: If I'm being honest, I think either way, I take the money. Um, Mm. I might have... Done it in conjunction with Michigan State somehow. So that it didn't look as bad. Uh, as for the timing of it. I mean, theoretically, he could have done this the day after he got that retention bonus. So he uh, stayed for 20 more days. I guess that's just plain respectful right there by Mark D'Antonio. Give me an extra 20 days work. You know, there's a lot of interesting elements to this. The signing day thing doesn't really bother me. It's the second signing day. I'm not sure if they're even scheduled to sign anybody today. Everybody yeah. at the Power Fives, they all signed the first signing day in December. So that part of it doesn't bother me. I guess I'm a little curious about this lawsuit that Michigan State is facing and that Mark D'Antonio has been named in. that talks about him getting jobs. For some of the recruits parents. It just seems to me like there's a little bit of smoke there. Part of me wonders Dave if he even wanted to do this or if this was sort of a mutual understanding with the university because of some of the more news that's come out recently.
2: Yeah, look, I, I, there's a lot of things factored in here, and part of it is that D'Antonio was seven and six in the last two years, each of the last two years. But yes, as for the allegations, a lawsuit against D'Antonio alleging NCAA violations, there's a wrongful termination suit that's been thrown about. D'Antonio's lawyers call the case a sham. I just, and as for the National Signing Day portion of this, you're right about that day being less important than it used to, but the point is, It's February, what, 4th today, 5th? Um, So more about the timing of where you leave your university in the overall recruiting process, leaving them in the lurch at a very difficult time in East Lansing. Let's listen to our friends. 97 won the ticket as they interpret how this all went down, the timing, the decision to, uh, to walk away, or was he forced out?
5: Mark D'Antonio just tweeted out a letter to all Spartans that he is stepping down. He feels that now is the time for change at Michigan State. He'll no longer be head football coach, but his plan is to stay
4: on within the university and athletic department in a role involving special projects. I have to tell you that without more clarity, if this is truly how this is going to go down, it is absolutely weak. It is absurd to tweet out a letter without any reason for stepping down, it is absurd to collect that bonus, recruit that class, and go down the road and not stand up at a podium and tell people why you're stepping down. Unless, of course, you don't want to say why. Now look, maybe there's something we don't know about. Maybe there's a personal matter. But it doesn't look good when you step down a day before the second signing day, and it's the same day that reports come out about more allegations from Curtis Blackwell's legal team about this suit and a potential wrongful termination. But how do you take that bonus? And almost a month later, after all the good assistant coaches have been poached, and you're going to sit here, on February 4th, and you're going to give me a letter out of the clouds on the same day reports come out, slinking away into the shadows with some cushy gig where you and Billy B can do whatever it is you want to do. I- I'm sorry. This, don't, this doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't smell right to me. You are talking about the greatest coach in the history of my alma mater not having an official press conference announcing his retirement.
2: 97-1, the ticket, that is Mike Valenti. Where does this leave the football program and the university? And if I'm a Spartan fan, I just feel a lot like the Jags and the Red Sox. I just feel like I'm getting screwed here.
3: Yeah, well... I'll be very curious to see who they end up hiring at this juncture. Now that's fascinating. Uh, The one point I wanted to make was that it sounds like he's on good terms with the university, Dave, you know, we were talking about that, whether they should have negotiated, done it together. I don't understand the lack of a press conference. I agree with Valenti on that, but in terms of his legacy and all the things that you mentioned about his kids and grandkids, if he's getting a job on special yeah. projects elsewhere in the athletic department, sounds like he's he's in still in pretty good stead, which almost makes me wonder if Michigan State suggested this because of the heat that's on them right now with the Blackwell stuff.
2: Yeah, perhaps they knew what was coming and wanted him to get out of the way, but your legacy just doesn't just depend on the university and the higher-ups and the boosters and the chancellors. It's the fan base that shall determine how you are embraced in the future. And I'm guessing it ain't good, despite him being the winningest head coach. But who knows? Love to hear from the folks, the fans, in East Lansing, some Michigan State alma mater. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on Home and Home. Still some great guests to talk to. Chaps from Barstool joins us about how it does feel if you are a Jacksonville fan. He is one his entire life. How does it feel that that is being torn away from you? Or at least it feels like the Jags have one foot, two home games out the door. And uh, we'll go to L.A. to hear what it's like to have Mookie Betts coming your way. And maybe Tom Brady will check in with the left coast
3: later in the program, Ross. But first, Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskiewicz experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. Then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And it's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job So, you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. Hey everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home at Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home.
1: Home and Home.